Welcome to another exciting episode of the Crowd Assist Podcast, sponsored by Picasso's Pizza. For the best deals on the best pizza in Western New York, go to picassospizza.net. It's Broncos week, and we are joined by a very special guest. As always, I'm Maniac with my co-host, Topher. We are joined by the flip man, Nick Filipowski, Channel 4. How are we doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you guys doing? Not bad, not bad. Hey, doing well. We're always glad to add someone to our discussion. And I, my intern tells me that your family will be adding someone to future discussions. Nick, tell the viewers <laughs> at home about that. Yeah, so uh, baby number three uh, will be joining us in May. Very excited, but also very scared because I have no idea how to play zone defense with two young kids. It's pretty easy. My wife handles one. I handle the other. And now uh, – we might have to uh, ask Coach Jack or uh, Sean McDermott how to play zone. Wow, some cover two in the kitchen. This is going to be definitely a learning experience. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's an understatement. Zone and, and tenacity is going to be the key for longevity there, so you just got to trust the process. Glad to have you on. Nick, obviously, <laughs> a dominant force over at Channel 4, WIVV, part of the great team over there. You can follow him at, at News4Nick. There might be an underscore in there. I don't want to mess it up, but. If you search him on there on Twitter, you'll be able to see him. But, uh, Nick, let's get right into it. Obviously, Bill's coming off a huge road win against the Dolphins. I mean, it's the NFL, so every win is big. Big victory. Um, for Specifically from the game, did you see growth from Josh Allen, or was this just another classic Dolphins matchup? I think it was just one of those classic Dolphins matchup, but at the same point in time, I, I think it was a good – confidence booster for him and this offense as a whole, right? The, the talk leading up to Sunday's game in Miami was Sean McDermott had a powwow with that entire unit said, go out and play fearlessly. And you, you could tell, not that the guys were chippy in the locker room that week leading up to uh, the game in Miami, but, but you had this sense that they, they felt the pressure and they felt the expectations growing um, granted, while they were winning games early in the season, you know, all the, all the questions that we were asking about some of the problems that they were having on offense, at some point we're going to catch up to them. And I feel like this, this was the week where everything kind of came to a head, if you will. And I think the, the pep talk, if you will, from Sean McDermott about playing seriously just kind of allowed those guys to go out and play loose and, and play quote unquote their game. Right. They, they didn't seem uptight. They didn't seem skittish. Um, they didn't seem like they were worried about making a mistake, but now the big question is going into this weekend and now facing the defenses that they're going to face down the stretch, which are some of the best in the NFL. Can this offense continue to play that way? And look, at the end of the day, you, you can play fearlessly, but th there might be some mistakes in there along the way, right? I mean, Josh Allen is, is known for being a risk taker. You don't want to take that competitiveness away from him, and you, you, you don't want to go in there and try to re-engineer his quarterback DNA, right? You, you still want him to play smart, but there needs to be somewhat of an edge to his game still 
And I, I think we're going to see kind of the confidence that they had in Miami kind of continue, uh, hopefully, this, this weekend at home against Denver. Our, our NFL fans, looking at the bigger picture, our NFL fans the most overreacting population of humans on earth. I mean, last week, everyone <laughs> just completely trashing Allen everywhere, despite the lack of turnovers. And then, don't get me wrong, Allen played great last week. And I don't know how much better any other quarterback in the league could have played against the Dolphins, but it is a two-win team that he went up against. It was basically a home game. And now, all of a sudden, you're even seeing, like, I saw a Denver Post article about um, how should, should Broncos fans be calling for Elway for taking uh, Chubb over Allen last year. I mean, it just seems like every week it's just the, the teeter-totters just one way or another with, the, with Allen. Reality is, and I've, I've talked to other people about this on, on some of the shows that I've been on, I wonder if, and this is me wondering, not having asked the, these questions to uh, to Sean or Brandon, because to be honest, I haven't had the opportunity to yet. But I, I, I often wonder how much of last year, considering the situation that they were in, where they were just going to live and die by whatever Josh did, right? Last year, let's not forget, was supposed to be a developmental year. Josh Allen wasn't supposed to see the field at all. So I wonder if year two is technically year one, if that makes sense, right? So at the end of last season, they said, okay, Josh, we, we liked everything that you did, but we drafted you for a reason. We're going to – we're kind of going to break your game down to the studs, and then we're going to take this year and we're going to build you back up. Because we didn't really have that opportunity <clears throat> to do it a year ago because we had to throw you right into the fire, right? Um, and I, I feel like this, this year we're, we're seeing kind of some of the pieces that you need to be a good quarterback come to fruition – I don't think they're going to ultimately make him into a game manager, which is what his game appears like right now. Um, but but I, I feel like this this season is more of the developmental year where, where, where the Bills are, are willing to kind of make those sacrifices on offense, if you will, to ensure that he continues to make the progress that they want him to make. Right, exactly. And I, I think this – might be stating the obvious, but the next handful of games, not only for the playoff outlook, but also for Allen's long-term outlook, I think the next six games are going to be massive as far as our fan base goes um, and what they feel about Allen. Yeah, you're not wrong. Well, especially considering, look, in, in two weeks after the, uh, after the Dallas game, who do you get? You, you get Lamar Jackson, who the Ravens took a gamble on, traded back into the first round to go get him, right? Um, Nobody thought Lamar Jackson was going to be a great quarterback prospect. I remember reading and, and hearing, um, you know, all the chatter about how he needs to switch positions and he needs to be a running back. And I, I love Lamar Jackson coming out of Louisville. I thought, you know, going, going back to watching some of his tape um, leading up to the draft and even, even Baker Mayfield, right? Like I had Baker Mayfield, I thought was, was QB one the whole way based on his winning pedigree. And I, I'd have to go back and look, but maybe I had Sam Donald ahead of Lamar Jackson. I don't, I don't honestly remember, but I know Lamar was up there as, as one or two for me for a long time. Um, so yes, if, if he plays, you know, poorly over this next stretch, then there's going to be some more critical questions that fall on his shoulders and that fall on Sean McDermott and that fall on Brandon Bean. But if he goes out and he plays well, they'll, they'll, I think there'll be a sigh of relief. Like, okay, we know, we know going into next year, We'll, we'll be in a good position if that makes sense.
Wow, the dialogue on Josh Allen, it's just like this train. It never stops. Obviously, we can focus on some of this. And I ought to scold both of you for looking ahead on the schedule. We are focused on the Broncos. But before we go on to the Broncos, real quick, we obviously we can focus on Josh Allen for probably about three hours straight. What was one other takeaway you guys had from the Dolphins game? And I'm going to lead it off here. The presence in the backfield from our defensive line. I don't know if the Dolphins decided they were tanking like two weeks ago. Some people were saying their game plan was kind of auspicious, but I'm not asking questions because I'm just seeing answers. I was seeing Jerry Hughes, Jordan Phillips, even Starlo Tulele got a sack. I mean, come on now. They had a great game, and I'm hoping that they could build off it going down this stretch run. Well, I hope they can build off of it, too, because the their ability to get to the quarterback, they've gotten a fair share of sacks um, this season, but I don't think they rank in, in, in the top half of the league in getting to the quarterback necessarily. Um, but they're going to be tested. I think the big thing, you know, they were able to shut down, you know, the Balazs kid who, by all intents and purposes, third string, fourth string, would he be on the Dolphins roster with having not, you know, made all the trades and all the injuries that they suffered? Probably not. Or the direction that they're going? Probably not. Um, but now you get a guy like Philip Lindsay. And then in three days from Sunday on Thanksgiving, you get Ezekiel Elliott. And then you get Baltimore and you get Mark Ingram. My, my big takeaway is, okay, great. The, the run defense was able to get back on track, quote unquote, back on track, gain some confidence can they carry that over and not get gashed and embarrassed on a Sunday afternoon or a Thursday afternoon on the football field and make the pivotal stops and have that quote unquote gap integrity that they all talk about and make those stops that they need to slow down an offense and to get off the field when they need to. Yeah, completely agree uh, on those points on the defense and, when, when Milano and Edmonds are on, like we saw last week, even in past coverage too, I mean, those guys are just incredible and a huge factor for the success of the defense. Um, my main takeaway, though, and, you know, obviously he had two touchdowns. John Brown is just incredible. He's just absolutely incredible. That first catch, a great throw by Allen, but then Brown's ability to break the tackle and get it over the pylon. And then the second one uh, in tight coverage, the hands, the speed, and then we saw his arm, too. He had an accurate throw to, I think it was his, his like, Pee-wee or Pop Warner coach in the crowd, like, 20 rows up. Yeah. A complete yeah. dime right into his hands. So, John Brown, uh, like Josh Allen said in his post-game interview, I think that guy's a pro bowler. Of course. It was great takeaways. And it was, it was really a, re- a nice game, a nice bounce-back game after the Cleveland loss. I hope they keep that sense of urgency that you were talking about, though, Nick, because it really seemed like they were playing with it. Uh, before we go on to the Broncos, because we don't look ahead here, got to talk about one more interesting story that the uh, Bills had. So, we, so Nick, you're going to be adding one to your family shortly, but Deion Dawkins uh, welcomed his daughter Delilah this past Saturday. So essentially what yeah. the team was Sunday. down there. No, yeah, it was Sunday. It was oh, Sunday. It, was on, it was on Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I might, I might butcher the timeline here, but could you elaborate there? Were, were you there for that media scuffle when he was talking about that? Uh, we actually we actually talked to Dion beforehand because we we were in the scrum um, before with Dion, um, but we we did a thing with him for our Thanksgiving uh, pregame show on Buffalo Kickoff Live, where we kind of just gave him the mic and let him turn him loose in the locker room and just kind of talk to guys about Thanksgiving and their favorite meals and uh, their favorite traditions and things like that. But um, before we did that, he you know Dion. You know, Dion's one of my favorite guys to talk to in the locker room because at the end of the day, he's just like a normal dude. 
he'll, he'll talk with you. He'll talk about his family. I'll talk about my family with him. Um, and he just kind of, we got done with the initial media scrum and, uh, he just kind of sat down and Scott, who, uh, is our photographer, best photographer in Western New York, shout out um, was like, man, you, yes, Scott, shout out to Scotty. Um, but, uh, he, he looked at Dion, he goes, man, you look tired. And, uh, he goes, yeah, it's been a long couple of days. And I whipped around, I go, is your, is your daughter here? Cause that's, that's where I'm knowing we, he and I had kind of talked about this every week and, uh, you know, when his, when his daughter was due and when she was going to get here. Um, and he was like, yeah, she, you know, we were down in Miami. I took a, rented a, uh, a, uh, a private jet flew up here, got to the hospital just in time for the birth, got to see her, hopped on another flight, went right back down to Miami for the game. Um, it's remarkable. Um, I know, you know, professional athletes, um, you know, sometimes you hear of guys missing games for the birth of their kids. Um, sometimes they miss the birth of their kids, um, you know, to go to games. I'm really glad that Dion was able to be there for the birth of his daughter. Cause there's nothing like it. Um, my daughter was born my first daughter. I mean, I, I, I wept in the corner and I'm not kidding you. It was, it was one of the proudest moments of my life to know that, you know, this, this, this is my kid. And I'm really glad that Dion was able to experience that. And then also experience the highs of a win, right? I mean, he's got this, this whole other football family, this brotherhood that he's a part of. Um, and uh, really special for him to be able to, to see the birth of his daughter and get a win. And I'm sure his life is crazy for him trying to be a dad and a football player, but my hat goes off to him. It's really incredible. That's incredible. Honestly, I thought I had a wild weekend in Miami, just going to the game and being in that town. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, that definitely trumps it. I would say. I was going to say, very great to see you already know that we are sending well wishes to the Dawkins family. And of course, little Delilah hope all is well. And glad to hear mom and uh, baby are doing great. And I'm glad they took care of that business. Glad that Topher took care of his business down in Miami, but folks it's on to the business of the Broncos brought to you by Picasso's Pizza. The best deals on the best pizza in Western New York. Go to picassospizza.net. How are we going to take care of this team, uh, guys? I mean, Nick, you said it best. I mean, this defense is hitting its stride. And looking on, on paper, I mean, yeah, the Broncos have seen an uptick in points recently, especially coming off that bye uh, a couple weeks ago. But 27 yeah. still in the ranks. So, I mean, I feel like at home. It's like 17 the, points per game, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, at home with the Bills needing a win. This is a point where you got to really exert yourself if you're McDermott and crew. I think so. I mean, open the playbook up, right? I mean, I, but here, here's the thing is Den, Denver's defense is next level, right? I mean, they're, they're top five, I think, in yards allowed and points allowed. Von Miller's a one-man wrecking crew. They're going to have to find a way to scheme. And I think, you know, you know with Cody Ford on, on the right side and, um, you know, be able to help him, you know, give, give him Lee Smith, you know, give him Pat DeMarco as a chipper get some extra guys to at least alleviate that, um, that pass rush. But the other thing is too, you know, you don't want Josh Allen taking five, seven step drops and giving Von Miller all the time in the world to, to, to make his move on the offensive line and then blow up a play. Right. Von Miller is a game changer, right? I mean, he's been a game changer in the league for, for years now. Um, short, quick passes, unleash it all screens, to Singletary get some screens on the outside to Isaiah McKenzie, um, John Brown, and just turn them loose, 
right? I mean, you've got to find ways to get the ball out quick to mitigate what this Denver defense is able to do. And hopefully, uh, you know, Josh Allen and company and Brian Dable, they all get their heads together and they say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to attack. And, you know, they, they go out and they play fearless like they did a week ago. The Broncos secondary. Did you happen to see Chris Harris's comments uh, on Allen or his little, like, he, he didn't want to dig in too much to Allen and he wanted to keep it positive, but he really like emphasized that point. Like he had something to, uh, bad to say about him. Did you happen to catch that? Yeah. I, I, I read a, a little bit about it where he, he was, he would st- start to kind of go down a rabbit hole. And then he was like, he'd kind of backtrack and be like, I just want to be positive about it. Only good thing. Is that what you're referencing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, did you, did you think anything of that or was he just kind of like, you know, backpedaling? He actually wanted to do the, the smart thing and not actually give him any bullets and board material yeah I mean I, I think it's a case where you don't want to give a team bullets and board material right we saw kind of what uh what happened in week two when when Pat Shermer said what he did about Josh Allen and being able to play in the in the in the NFL um you know you always want to play things smart and play it close to the vest um I do I read into it too much not necessarily because on tape um, you know, there's enough tape out there on Josh that defenses know kind of how to get to him, right? Um, I mean, that's what they get paid to do. Find those, find those weaknesses, uh, exploit them, and embarrass you on Sunday. And hopefully it doesn't happen to Josh because I think it would be terrible, um, you know, if they lose to a Broncos team that they shouldn't lose on Sunday at home. Uh, the season is, is, is going to take uh, kind of a, a wayward turn, and I don't know if there's any going back if if it uh if it's a loss i wanted to talk about that point exactly so i'm glad you said that nick it feels like a lose-lose scenario because the whole narrative around this bills team all season long they can't beat anyone good so now you're playing another team at home another game you're expected to win another game they're favored in i mean what's really the best thing that can happen like they come out in full throttle and lead at halftime 21-3 yeah that's i mean that's what you would hope for um I mean, yeah, if it's, if it's a, a game where, um, you know, you, you look up in the fourth quarter and it's, you've got Brandon Allen driving down the field and you need Trey White to make an interception at the two-yard line to, to save the game in the season, uh, it's going to be tough to justify uh, that game. Yeah, not what you want to see. You want to see them take care of business in a multitude of ways. So with that said, um, any specific keys to the game, either between Topher or Nick, um, anything you guys think? I mean, obviously you want to come out, you want to dictate against these Broncos. I think the biggest thing is just don't let Von Miller be Von Miller. I mean, whether it's quick action away from him against line or running right at him, which I guess is the NFL way to, you know, beat a speed rusher like that. You got to take the guy out of his comfort zone. I think for me – same as my, my key to the game last week, just start fast, start fast, get some points on the board. Um, you know, I said this on our pregame show last week, even if they start fast, but they aren't able to keep their foot on the pedal, so to speak, and, and, and really kind of run the score up, if you will, fine, but at least get, get two early touchdowns, get, get three or four scoring drives, whether it's touchdowns or field goals, you've got to get points on the board and you've got to give yourself some breathing room. You have to. Completely agree with that. Control the tempo early. I mean, this is a team that just came off a crippling loss, gave up four touchdowns in the second half in a hostile environment over in Minnesota, Um, a game that could have 
kind of brought them back into the hunt in quotes, you know? Um, so start fast. They might be a little down, keep them that way. Um, keep them that way early. Don't, don't let the doubters come out in that first half. I agree. Don't let them get any momentum going. Cause yeah, they have to still be in the dirt after that Minnesota episode last week. Okay. Well, Hey, going down the stretch run here, Nick, we'll let you kick it off. We've been running pretty hot on these this season, whether it's our bills favoritism or just the way the numbers have been working out. What do you think we are going to see on the scoreboard come uh, the final whistle this Sunday at New Era Stadium? I'm going to say, uh, I'll say Bills 29, um, and I'll say Broncos 13. Wow, that would be – I'd be ecstatic. I, I think everybody this, in the stadium would be too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I think this is going to be an ugly one. I think it's going to be really low scoring. Um, I'm going to go 16 to nine bills. Ooh. Yeah. I love it. Topher. all of you, Steven Hauschka fantasy owners, get ready for a buffet because we are going to see a sloppy game where McDermott's going to dictate the pace on defense. So he's not going to get too crazy on offense. Steven Hauschka kicks five field goals as the Buffalo bills win 22, 10 to move to eight and three. Um, just before we sign off here, I mean, does this make it Nick that essentially, you know, if you're a bills fan, I mean, you're looking at Broncos, you know, Broncos, Steelers, Jets, those are your three games, 10 and six, especially beating the Steelers with your mathematic odds. That's your way to the playoffs. Is that seem to be the way that we're leaning heading into the stretch run? I think so. Because if the, if the bills, well, I, I don't think that, that the Pittsburgh game is as easy as maybe it looked a month ago right um because as as easily as they're seven and three right now so they win on sunday right that makes them eight and three well then you've got what are they they've got uh dallas baltimore um dallas baltimore pittsburgh and then new england right um but as easily as they can be eight and three heading into week 17 you don't take care of business the next four weeks they could easily be eight and seven heading into that season finale, which I don't think anybody would feel great about. Oh, that would be a disaster. And I mean, we said it last week. I mean, obviously it would be great to have a home game with playoffs on the line, but we'd much rather have things a little bit more solidified heading into the stretch run of week 17. Absolutely. No doubt. Hey, for my guests or for our, my co-host Topher, Nick, thank you very much for joining us on the crowd assist podcast. Yeah. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Nick. We'll keep an eye out for Sunday kickoff. Uh, keep an eye out for everything Nick on a ch- on his Twitter. He's obviously always popping on there. And obviously, thanks. To, shout out to everyone for getting Scott Swenson to one k. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shout out My to boy. Our, oh, that's cool. That's our boy. He's a great guy. Uh, shout out to uh, our sponsor, Picasso's Pizza. The best deals on the best pizza in Western New York. Go to picassospizza.net. And as always on the Crowd Assist podcast, you know it's three words. Let's. Go Bills.